Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. 7.32 a.m. Mountain Time. It is the last day of November. Yeah, gosh, we're already here. Um, November 30th. Welcome in, guys. It is time for another episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am your host, Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, for these morning shows, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing doing well. Busy. Busy this morning already. So, uh, you know, it's trash day. You know, that that always cuts into your day a little bit. Uh, But it's actually my dog's favorite day, I think, because, you know, we, we actually sing a little song, you know, it's trash day, oh boy, oh boy, and he comes running and he wants to go outside and play. So yeah. not all bad, but the, the boy is homesick today. He got up in the middle of the night and he was sick. So I, uh, I've got him watching the matrix. It was time for a, uh, a little, you know, I, I do try and do some, some pop culture past and that is past. It's an older movie now, yeah. uh, lessons with him. So we do music all the time. Now it's like, okay, you're not feeling well. You're going to sit down. You're going to watch the matrix. It's like a home. It's like a, a homework assignment. See, I remember being a kid and being home, left home alone, sick. And that's when I would watch movies that probably, I don't know if I should have or like culture reference, but like that's the first time I saw Animal House, Home Alone Sick. I'm like, okay, I, I can see what this is about. Uh, Blazing Saddles was another one. And uh, Monty Python, Meaning of Life and Holy Grail. All ones that I enjoyed while I was sick. and like, hey, guess what I watched today? They're like, oh, you are 12 years old. Um, Okay, all right, well. <laughs> yeah, 12, 12 is okay. It's like I, yeah. I said the... You know, I just remember being in middle school. You know, he's in seventh grade. He's a young, he's a young seventh grader. He's in seventh grade. I'm like, do you remember what seventh grade was like? I do. Yeah. You no, know, we were sending kids to rehab and all kinds of. We were, you know, it was a different generation, but we were certainly these guys. These kids are a little more sheltered than I think we were in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to mid 2000s, so uh, not the not the age at all, Scott. But uh, I think we were. I didn't see many people going to rehab. I I, I was. Mainly, oh, in, we got kids in music. middle school going to rehab. No doubt about that, oh, man. No, not so much in East Iowa, but uh, good morning, guys. Obviously, this is Broncos for Breakfast. We are part of the Huddle Up Podcast Network for Mile High Huddle. You can follow Scott and myself on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy, and I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle 
to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Dylan's in the house. Great to see you, Dylan. Good morning. Uh, it says, sup Broncos country. Make sure you guys hit the like button on the way in. Yeah, please like, subscribe, and subscribe and share. Fernando's in the house. Fernando, I don't recognize you. Good morning. Um, Fernando, if you've been around before, it's uh, always good to see new names and faces in here. Uh, so I hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good turkey day. Um, DWI guys saying morning. Good to see you, Ethan. Awesome. Always for you to join us in the morning. Good afternoon, here. Ethan. Yeah. Good afternoon. Indeed. Uh, morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Hashtag beat chiefs. God, that would be great. Uh, US day says play, learn, build. That's great. Uh, Lewis may be coming with stars here. I'm not sure. Yeah, but either way, stars Lewis again, that feels like a, a newer name to me. Yeah. Uh, I say this all the time. Cause I don't want to offend anybody. Um, I'm still relatively new. So you may have been around a long time and I just don't recognize you yet. But if you're yeah. new to the show, welcome, and you're new to me, so welcome. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much, Lewis, uh, for helping us get some coffee around here. That's 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 to the coffee fund. Mohammed Badri, good morning, Broncos country. Great to see you, Mo. And also, hello to Malik. Malik's first Christmas, man, coming up. It's going to be fun. Wow. Uh, yeah, Nothing like a first Christmas. Uh, can't speak to that, um, but uh, maybe one day. Greg Smith, good morning, Broncos, for breakfast. Good morning to you. Jeremy's saying morning, Dylan. Jeremy, where's our good morning? Um, Cleese in the house too. get him used to prison for his mind. That was the matrix it. reference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The matrix man. That's one of my favorite movies. It, it talks to me, man. It really does. Welcome to the, that's, I feel like the first time I listened to pink Floyd, welcome to the machine. That's just, Oh, my, my, it my third eye is open someplace. You're like, huh? I, that I, I get this and uh, yeah, I get it. Existential right now. Um, Cody fan one zero nine coming in saying I saw Borat at home, home second, third grade. I saw Borat with my dad and uh, man, we were dying. Dave sending uh, some hearts here. The uh, blue and orange, of course. Yeah, he you, comes Dave. later with the stars, too. So um, on Facebook. So, you know, Dave's all over the place hitting that uh, hitting hitting the like and the share and the subscribes on Facebook and YouTube and giving the stars. He's like, that's, that's like the hat trick. Dave goes for the hat trick every time. Dave's a Dave's a constant supporter. And we appreciate you, Dave. JJ saying good morning, Nick and Scott got my Broncos for breakfast mug filled and ready for my Broncos, my favorite Broncos pot. Oh my gosh, man. You're, you're talking at my heart there, JJ. Thanks for being the best. Thank you for being the best. Miguel coming in. Good morning, fellas. All I want for Christmas is the Broncos to win out. Oh man. Uh, how, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to wish for. I'm not going to tell you what to wish for. Uh, wishful thinking probably, uh, but maybe we look like we can make a run. Let's let's uh, let's. Let's pivot on this one real quick. Uh, so the Broncos down the stretch here, I, I want to get into this Broncos defense because I think they arguably played the best game of their season um, in this last game. I know that you had the Cowboys game as well. That was incredible. But I, I think this Chargers game was a better showing overall. I think the Herbert wasn't missing like Dak was missing. Um, Dak was just off that game. And you know, they, they slept on the Broncos. Whatever. It's the NFL. I, I hate that excuse. It, if, you, if you slept on an NFL team, you deserve to get your butt handed to you. Um, yeah, I don't especially care a divisional team. opponent. That doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, the, unless you the, said Cowboys, sorry, I, I said was the looking. Cowboys. It was the Cowboys. Okay, yeah, they said, oh, we the just... Cowboys. Yeah, well, it happens. There's there's ups and downs uh, yeah. over the course of the the timeline. You but know, to say the, that you the, slept on them, as just... they say in soccer, the table doesn't lie. Yeah, you know, and at the end, you know, if you're twelve and four, then twelve and five, you deserved it, and if you're five and twelve, you deserved it. One game here or there, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about. Um, but that 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 Cowboys game at the time looked fluky. And then it proved it after the fact. This one didn't feel that way. This no. one didn't feel that way, did it, Nick? I mean, how fluky were the Cowboys, though? I mean, they've lost to three or four AFC West opponents this season. They barely beat the Chargers. They lost to the Raiders and the refs. Um, that The refs were not great in that uh, Thanksgiving game. And also they lost to the Chiefs. So uh, I, I don't know. Maybe the Cowboys are a little bit overrated. Maybe the it NFC. was. I mean, the, a beating of that substantial was a, yeah. a little, you know, not, not yeah. going to happen every time. 
Yeah. But it didn't have the feel of, hey, this is sustainable. Yeah. Now, like this, this, this win over the Chargers felt like that's who we're supposed to be. It's coming together. Yeah. Maybe if it's coming together. Could, if only we could get a 14 point lead uh, every time. That would be, uh, that would make it beautiful. Um, then you can really protect the pass game and the offensive line. But uh, we'll see. Uh, but the question here Broncos winning out. What, do, what would you give odds of Broncos winning out from here on out? Not uh, maybe one in 20. Something well, like it's, that. It's six games, right? Yep. Six games. So even if you did, let's see, I got my calculator. Even if you did the, on probability 0.5 to the fifth power is exponentially, it's not one in 20. It's like one in 400. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's, it's low, but that's how you do, you know, for, you figure out probability by taking the odds of failure and multiplying it by. So 50, 50 is 0.5 times 0.5, which is, yep. which is 0.25. Times 0.5, which is 0.125, which is one in eight times 0.25 again and again and again. Half of that is 0.06. So it ends up being like one in 200 when you go yeah. for, for six in a row. Maybe it's one in 100 because I'm, I'm going to put in that Lions game as a win for the Broncos. Yeah, do the math and then hit one over X. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Man, I promised there'd be no <laughs> Sorry, math. Sorry, I was told uh, there'd be no math. Exactly. Uh, but uh, so Broncos winning out. I don't know if that's possible, um, but I do want to preface that I feel like a lot of people, especially people who are just how do I phrase this? Some people I think enjoy the rage and being mad. So a lot of people are like, okay, well, if they don't beat the chiefs, then they're fake. And I wouldn't want to be mad again. Season isn't over based on this Kansas city game. You, this is the toughest game of the year. You're going Sunday night football with the chiefs coming off a bye, where Andy Reid has lost like two games in his career coming off the bye, which is insane. I think John Elway only ever won like two games in arrowhead of his entire career. So you're going in there in December. Really um, 11 in a row. They have, we've lost 11 in a row to them. And like, you're going to put your entire season and hope and optimism as a fan on winning this Kansas city game. I'm not, if you want to do that by all means, but there are, what is it? Six more games to go this season. Five after this, you'll be 500 still right, right in the thick of things. I would not put your entire emotional capital on the Broncos winning this chiefs game because you are setting yourself up to be big mad on the road. On the road. If you get a split, I mean, you're, you're six and six with five to play. Yeah. With you one know, of the games against the Lions, possibly do it. Yeah. Um. You know. So you're. But you know, four and two gets it done. Yep. Now, last week I said I I said two. You know, two wins, and you finish seven and ten. Okay. Well, what a difference a week makes. Um, yeah. We've said I don't trust this team to step up and and battle. But again, what I've seen, what I feel like I've seen with this team, is the teams they struggle. We call them Jekyll and Hyde. This and that. But the team, there is a pattern. The teams that they've struggled against are the teams that are lining up and just punching them in the mouths. The ones that want to get down and dirty in the trenches. Those are the teams they've struggled against. Yeah. Ravens, Steelers, Eagles, Browns, those type of teams. Those are all really, really good in the trenches. And those are the teams that you're done with those teams. Now it's more of a, a good old-fashioned West Coast style of game. And that feeds right into the Broncos' strengths right now. Yeah, I'm a little bit bummed out that the... Uh, the weather is not going to be cold or windy at all, because I think that would lead into the Broncos hands. Um, obviously, if it's if there's precipitation, people think that precipitation and whatnot helps the defense. Why not? Actually, that helps the pass game because the wide receivers know actually where they're going. So yeah, they can get separation and it slows yeah. your reaction time. Yep, so exactly. you're slower to react. It's harder to play defense. Exactly. But wind and cold, I think, factor um, lead itself to uh, more of a physical ground and pound game. And it sounds like it's going to be beautiful there. So unfortunately, Again, which is why the AFC North teams and I'll throw Philadelphia in there. You've struggled against. Yep. You know, Cleveland. those are the teams yep, that are built to play Big Ten football. 
Yep, and Denver really has it. struggled against Big Ten football for lack of a better explanation. And that, to me, Colin Jekyll Hyde, this is this. That's been fairly predictable this year now that we look back and look at it with hindsight. Yeah. It's not just that they're up one week, they're down the next week. It's they're getting beaten the trenches by physical teams and they're beating the teams that aren't lining up and smashing you in the mouth. Okay. Yeah. Now I know what to work on. Now I know what to try and correct. Yeah, that's that's a it's a good point. I've reflected on that as well. The one that seems a little bit of an outlier is the uh, the Cowboys given their historical precedent for the offensive line, but they're not super great at the uh the d- defensive tackles position yeah, and also Tyron the, Smith. The Cowboys out. have always been more finesse glitz and glamour Flash, than yeah. grit and dirt. Yeah. You know, the old yeah. Steelers Cowboys rivalries, you know, they're, they're, they're still America's team and the, the shiny stars and the silver britches and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And the pretty cheerleaders They're they're not the team that wants to go out there and get, get dirty and, and, and hit you like that. Didn't don't mean say they that. Couldn't. To, don't say that but, to Larry Allen. <laughs> yeah, I know. Didn't mean they couldn't, but you know, they're still Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, even in their yeah. heyday. Yeah. They just had an awesome offensive line. That <laughs> offensive line was so good. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dave DeAndre coming in here. Good morning, guys. I got one thing to say. Six and zero when the Broncos run the ball over one hundred yards and get three hundred rushing run attempts. Keys of the game, use the game plan that you use to Cowboys and Chargers. <sighs> You know, if in an ideal world that works out, but I think that a lot of people like I think they have unlocked this key, and I think it's a, it's really a combination of correlation versus causation. Uh, where the Broncos they are six and zero and run the ball thirty plus attempts, one hundred yards because the run game is effective and the defense is letting them do it that many times. Um, if they're like on first down, I think they're twenty fifth in DVOA, uh, which is not good. And we saw this last game where Melvin Gordon got hit in the backfield a couple times and made something happen where they're not behind the sticks. That's really important. But the Broncos, I think the key isn't just like, this is stuff that is after the fact, the key is getting an early lead. You need to come out and win the first quarter and win the second quarter. And uh, then things can happen. And then, then, then you're off to the races. But if you fall behind in, I think all the games where the Broncos have, have lost, they probably lost that first quarter. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing. And that leads itself into the rushing game being effective over the entire duration of the game. Well, I'm seeing the one bar again, and I'm going to get angry. Uh-oh. You'll <laughs> like me when I'm angry. Um, let me, uh, I agree with you. I want you to uh, hit on uh, Joshua Shadow right here. Let's do it. Talk a little bit about that one. And I'm going to change routers. I'll be right back. Uh, thanks for the stars, Joshua. Yeah, and uh, I'll hold it down for a second. Hawks beat Michigan. Denver's beating Kansas City. Going to be an upset weekend. Oh, Joshua, man, you are singing to me. I would be over the moon. I think both teams are going to be big dogs. I think Iowa's a 10.5-point dog to Michigan, but anything can happen. Um, I will say I think that the Hawkeyes have a better chance of winning versus Michigan than Denver versus Kansas City, given the circumstances and parameters. I think Michigan might be due for a letdown. I mean, they finally beat the boogeyman. Right. And I could see them easily uh, overlooking an Iowa team that's just dreadfully often offensively. But Iowa gets turnovers and Iowa, Iowa might have the best special teams unit in football, um, in college football. Their kicking game is spectacular. So I think it'll be a close game. But uh, man, I, I could be over the moon or I could be just an absolute curmudgeon um, coming up uh, this upcoming week. Um, we got JT Anthony coming in saying, hey, guys, will Teddy be ready for Sunday? It does sound like Teddy's going to be ready. Um, he's maybe banged and bruised, but uh, they're going to go with Teddy. And uh, I think the coaches feel emboldened with their decision to go up with a banged up Teddy versus a healthy Drew lock. Given what we yeah, saw this last yeah. week, Ted, Teddy's going to be ready to play. Ted, yeah. Teddy will play this weekend, uh, yeah. like a bone contusion as opposed to a break. So once he came back in, he'll, he'll be playing. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Let's run through some more people here. Tim Durr. Hello. Good morning, fellas. Hello to you, Tim. Mohamed Badri with a $10 super sticker. Mo, we love you, man. Happy uh, happy Turkey Day. Happy holidays to you and Malik and the whole family. Uh, thank you so much for the support. You're, I mean, Mo's been around forever, man. We love Mo. Uh, morning, Broncos country. Thank you. Good morning to you, Tony. We got John Clay coming in here with the beautiful picture of that sea stack, I think, looks like. Um, good morning, 6 and 5 and in the mix in December. Very cool. Man, that's, that's about as good as you can get. Uh, Pat EJ coming in saying Patrick Sertan was balling true shutdown corner. And I think this leads itself very nicely into the topic I wanted to get into today. This Broncos defense. I would argue that this last game against the chargers was the best, the best they've looked all season. Um, I know that I think was Matt Filer out the left guard. I think Matt Filer was out and they really picked on that left guard, that whole game of uh, the backup left guard. And you can see the drop off there. And I think it impacted them. Um, Rashawn Slater as well. I think Rashawn Slater had about as bad of a game as I can remember. They were talking about him being an all pro as a rookie tackle. And uh, I don't know if that's going to be keeping momentum after uh, Jonathan Cooper and uh, Malik Reed actually gave him, gave him the business out there, but this Broncos defense, would you say that this was the best game this season for them? Giving them the business. Good, good reference there. If you don't know what that one is. Um, yeah, I, I think this was by far their best game on defense. This was the first time I remember seeing waves of players coming in from the front four and dominating Fangio was even asked about it yesterday at his press conference, you know, does it make it easier? And he's like, well, yeah. Um, When you can drop seven in a coverage, you are going to be a very dangerous defense. And they were able to get plenty of pressure with just four and handle the line of scrimmage and dominated the chargers. Yeah, no, they, uh, they whipped them. And I think the biggest thing, and I say it on here a lot of time, people scream and scream because it's like flashy, I think. And it, it, it uh, projects an identity that a lot of people want, but like blitz the quarterback. Why aren't you blitzing more? Blitz, blitz. It's like, listen, magic happens Well, you can get pressure without blitzing. And if you if you are totally anemic and you have to send pressure to generate that type of, or send extra guys to generate the pressure, I get it. But when magic happens on defense, you can get uh, pass rush pressure with four and stop the run with six. That's when you can do that, man. You can totally play super uh, conservative or um exotic with your coverages on the back end and man they broncos made justin herbert's life a living hell because they didn't have to blitz i think they only sent uh five or more guys like twice in 45 dropbacks or something um and he was under pressure on like 17 of his dropbacks which is insane um so that that's the magic uh we got lawrence coming in 98 was my prediction and i'm in the beginning and i'm sticking with it i think i was nine and eight as well i cannot remember i might have been uh 10 and seven so hopefully uh scott you still there there you go okay I am still here. Okay. Um, I can see your face. You're, uh, it's okay. Goose Fraba. Breathe. It's uh, <laughs> You can't control the internet sometimes. Um, I've been there as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, running Michael. a speed test right now, and I'm, I'm thinking it's StreamYard. So I might even change browsers browsers on this as well because it's everything else is fine. I run through a zillion videos a day, and I fire up StreamYard, and it says one, and it's just on, on StreamYard here. Connection is unstable. Sometimes uh, I completely yeah. reboot Why? my computer. Why is it unstable for just me? So did you make sure you got Lawrence too? So I'm gonna bail real quick as you as you we got Lawrence came in with this with the stars. Oh, awesome. For sure. Um and uh I'm gonna change browsers. So I'll be right back. Sounds good. Uh Lawrence coming in. I went to Starbucks this morning, got bold and decided to try a Christmas one, and it was iced coffee. Oh well, good morning, guys. Yeah, I mean it depends on where you are. Like if you're in uh, Southern California, I think Denver has been like 60 to 70 degrees. Um, that's not a bad way to go, but uh iced coffee, it's gotta be like 90 plus degrees for me to be in the mood for that. Otherwise, I'm drinking the hot stuff. Uh so <laughs> thanks for the comments, uh Lawrence. We appreciate you and uh, good morning to you. Man, I let the chat get away from me. We appreciate you guys coming in here. Um, we got uh 
Marcus Watson coming in saying, what are the odds the D holds Kansas City and Teddy has the best game of the year? Broncos for the win. This is going to be my first live Broncos game Sunday night. I can't wait. Oh, man, Marcus, Kansas City is a uh, a heck of a place. They got a great fan base, as much as that pains me to say. Uh, if you're going to be in Kansas City, make sure you get barbecue, man. You got to select as much barbecue as you can. Uh, get to the game early. They have a great tailgate experience as well. Um, I know Kansas City fans, they're arrivals. Um, but I have family that lives in Kansas City, so I've been to Arrowhead a few times. I've never seen the Broncos win an arrowhead, um, unfortunately, but it's beautiful. Um, I really enjoy the expansive parking lot. It's, it's the one NFL game I've been to. I guess I've been to two green Bay and Kansas city actually have a tailgate experience that like, uh, I think mimics college football where it's just packed and like people are there at like 6am with the smokers and drinking. So, um, I would, uh, definitely try to get there early and get yourself some barbecue in Kansas city as well. And hopefully you see a Broncos win, uh, man, that would be amazing. It's been a little bit, but, uh, Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. And uh, you look clear, Scott. Hopefully that's a... We'll see. I, I changed from Chrome, which should be everything, over to whatever Microsoft's new browser is. And uh, yeah. I don't know that it's working any better. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, I'm, I'm having a problem with StreamYard from this area because uh, Internet's fine. You know what I do sometimes is I completely restart my computer. And I think that resets some of the stuff in... Um Google Chrome. Also, Clear you can... cache, clear... do all that kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to... Yep. Kill my route, kill all my routers in my house after I do this one. But again, this only happens on this show at this time. Yeah, this week I, I have that issue sometimes at uh, the night shows, not the morning shows typically. Um, but uh, yeah, have fun, Marcus. That's going to be great. Uh, I'll let uh, Scott look over to see if we have any stars coming in. But uh, the DWI guys, I can see these ones. Uh, super chat, fifteen dollars. Thank you so much, Ethan. Uh, so do do we put Patrick Sertan the second on Kelsey or Hill? Um. I think that this is always kind of fun to talk about and think about, but uh, right now this, the way this Broncos defense is lining up is that they're playing the cornerbacks mainly on one specific side of the field. So their technique with the sideline and whatnot can be uh, replicated. So there's not really a lot of shadowing or, you know, Island cornerbacking going on here right now. So you're going to see Patrick Sertan line up on, would you say right, the right side of the field? Cause it's like the right tackle. It's like, you know, when you say stage left, it's like actually facing it the other way. So um, the side where the right tackle is Sertan has been over there and then Darby on the, the left cornerback side. Um, so that's what I think you're going to see this week as well. Uh, my biggest concern is well, a hill getting over the top because you cannot give up, you know, 60 plus yard touchdowns backbreakers to Tyree kill. Um, the other one is uh, Travis Kelsey. He can create some issues. I mean, the Chiefs essentially run 10 personnel because Travis Kelsey functions as a big slot uh, detached from the line of scrimmage a lot of times. Um, so you're going to have to really think about how you're going to keep them in front of you. And I think the biggest thing isn't exactly matching up with these guys specifically. It's that can the Broncos run match quarters to safety shell deep and uh, get pressure with four guys. If they can do that, that is shown to somewhat stymie the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes this season. Um, and I mean, Vic, we, we talked about, you know, Vic Fangio laying out the blueprint to beat the Cowboys. He was one of the first people to lay a blueprint blueprint out to s- slow down to Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes this year has struggled against two high safeties. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing for this uh, defensive game plan. You need to make Patrick Mahomes be conservative and uh, take the ball away when he throws it into harm's way. Because eventually he's going to be like, you know what, I think I can fit it in there. And he's going to put the ball in harm's way. And I think the key for him is just to make sure he's where he feels most comfortable because that's where he's going to play best. Are you comfortable saying, okay, take that guy? Or do you have a position? Is this your area? And this is my zone and this is where I'm most comfortable. And then you're going to have to count on your teammates to pick up. If they if they go away from him, then they, they need to uh, – you need to count on your teammates to be able to pick him up. And Shane comes in and says, thanks for the math lesson. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, geeking out on that a little bit. 
Uh, what do you believe the Broncos' strategy defensively should be this Sunday? Uh, again, if you can get pressure with your front four, your strategy becomes real easy. So start there. Can you can you beat these guys up front? Because if you can, then you can pick the time when you want to blitz. You can drop seven in a coverage. You can do all kinds. When you can get pressure with your front four, defensive coordinators have a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah, amen to that. Uh, we'll see if the Broncos can do that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is pretty nifty getting out of the pocket. But uh, I think it's been really – the Broncos like to play almost kind of like a uh, – one of the defensive ends is more of a strong side guy, and the other one is more of a weak side where it's uh, taking on more bodies versus being further detached from the offensive line. And you saw that. I think Jonathan Cooper and Malik Reed both are better as the more classic finesse stand-up guys where they can get a little bit wider berth. And then you got Bradley Chubb who has the length and the mass and the power to be, bang a little bit more inside. And that deta- that frees uh, – detached defensive end. I think that can help a lot with your pass rush um, Malik uh, with uh, Bradley Chubb being there. And hopefully we'll have uh, Shelby Harris back as well. Cause we can use all hands on deck um, Broncos defensive line though. They look pretty darn good against the chargers. Let's hope they continue that as well. Um, the other thing that I thought was really important in this last game that made the Broncos look that much better is that the cornerbacks on the boundary did exactly what they w- were supposed to do. I know that um, Patrick Sertan's getting a lot of coverage right now, rightfully so. Number nine overall pick, 21 years old, pick six. I mean, look, I mean, he just, he, he looks incredible out there wearing that number two. His aesthetic is as good as I've ever seen for a cornerback. Him and Jalen Ramsey, man, huh, look like a created player in uh, my NCAA game days. But uh, I think we need to be a little bit more, we need to not overlook uh, Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby in that first half had some incredible plays on the ball. I went back and watched the game, uh, focused on Darby in that first half as well. Darby, I mean, there was plays where it was a perfect throw, um, nearly perfect catch, and Darby's just all over the guy making a play on the ball, not getting called for a DPI. And uh, then the the Chargers started to go away from Darby after that and tried to go to uh, Sertan a few times and Fuller. You can get Fuller on the inside a few times, and, and I'm worried about that against the Chiefs, but if Darby and Sertan are locking down the outside like they did against the Chargers, it is going to make it so hard for any team to move the football because you're limiting so much space and any explosive plays that come from the perimeter. Yeah, and, and frankly, Kyle Fuller's been playing pretty well at the nickel spot too, you know, yeah. overall has, has been a, a big help too. And then, you know, having Stearns and Simmons out there stepping up their game. And again, it's all, it's all connected. Um, the synergy involved, you get yeah. pressure on a quarterback, the back four starts playing a lot better. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, but yes, you also are free to go after the quarterback when you know you can get an extra, when you're not going to get burned in, on the backside as well. So it, yeah. it all, they all play together. And as you said, just at the very beginning, this was the best defensive game they've played all year. My, even if the numbers might not say it, or they probably will, but even if the numbers, you know, you had a couple dominating performances, but this was the best defensive performance against a good offense. And it was dominating across the yeah. board. I mean, honestly, we could be talking in a world where Teddy Bridgewater doesn't get hurt. You don't see that interception and the Chargers don't get a fluky Hail Mary touchdown where the Chargers are blanked. I mean, both of their touchdowns were maybe somewhat unearned. I mean, they they got a little bit of breaks their way to get that. And obviously, you know, that's how football goes sometimes. Broncos maybe got a break with that uh, interception to Patrick Sertan that just floated out there or the, uh, the one off Austin Eckler. But still, uh, Broncos yeah. defense played a great game. That stuff happens. I don't like to yeah. pick out the one-offs. Well, what if that guy hadn't dropped the ball? Well, he made a great catch earlier, and he dropped it yeah. for this other dude. We, As fans, we tend to remember yeah. the plays that we didn't make, and you forget that they didn't. They missed a couple, too. You know, yeah. So 
there's a couple there's a couple instances where if it goes one way or the other, they maybe do get a couple of scores. So uh, hopefully what you're hoping for is those breaks even out over the course of a game uh, yeah. and the better team wins. And in this case, the better team definitely won. Yeah, totally. Um, Kenny Young, spy Mahomes. I don't think everybody's a spy because you're going to be seeing a lot of zone coverage. Um, so a lot of times you'll see the spy when you are going to be aggressive with either a pass rush, sending your guys, or you're playing man coverage and you don't want that quarterback to take off when everybody's back is to the line of scrimmage. Um, so I don't think there necessarily needs to be a spy. Cause I think you're going to mostly see kind of a matchup zone look uh, from this defense, with a lot of too high shells. Um, but I mean, if I was going to spy anybody, I think it's Baron Browning. He's the one who has got, you know, the, the rocket in his butt that can fly sideline to sideline. Kenny Young's been good, but the Baron Browning is a different height, weight, speed kind of player compared to Kenny Young. And I think it's pretty obvious to see on the field. Someone has quarterback every play. So yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a believer in the, the term spy um, in, in the NFL, especially, you know, maybe in college where you've got a guy who runs like Lamar Jackson when he was at Louisville, maybe, you know, that was, that was a little bit different. But um, someone's got quarterback every play. Yeah. Uh, the key is is to make sure that you're he's not beating you too badly when he when he breaks containment because he will, yeah. he will he'll he'll get some time. But do you have the speed at the at the linebacker position, or you know do you bring a safety in that spot? You know, Kareem Jackson can change some people's minds on how much they want to run, especially a quarterback if he's if he's got the freedom to go after to go after Patrick Mahomes when he starts getting away too. So. There's a lot of different options there. Uh, the the spy is different every play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's the edge rusher even, right? And they, they'll drop back. Um, so there'll be some interesting stuff there. I'm here with Richie Rich. Um, Richie Rich, good morning to you. Broncos for brunch, as he likes to say. Uh, he has a solution for the barbecue debate. I will go around and try it all. I'll report back. God, Richie Rich, uh, please take me with. That sounds amazing. I would be all about it. Uh, Tony coming in saying, uh, smash the like, folks. We appreciate that. John Fields coming in and saying, let's go Broncos, Denver Broncos for life. My heart stopped when Lot came in. I think everybody's collective uh, rear ends puckered a little bit, and uh, everybody's breath was uh, held there for a bit as well. There were some good plays from Lock. That one throw to the left sideline uh, to Cortland Sutton was pretty awesome. Granted, Sutton made a heck of a play as well, changing his stride to get that ball in there. Both of Sutton's catches were just awesome. I mean, only two in this game, I think, but both of them were like, holy cow, that's a highlight. Um, so... I, it's hard to complain when you're winning and dominating like you did, but uh, the Broncos at least know that they have playmakers on the boundary that if it becomes a shootout, <laughs> those guys should be able to step up. I'm not sure if Teddy's the type of guy that can do that. I'm not sure the offensive line right now is healthy enough with pass blockers uh, to do that as well. But uh, you do have the weapons on the outside when you need to call upon them. This was part of the conversation uh, last night on the, the uh, huddle up pod uh, about Fangio's comments about lock. Did you happen to see them? Uh, he talked about maybe not setting lock up the best with uh, reps and whatnot, and that he's going to have to be ready next time. I'll be honest with you. I'm talking with some people and you know, I'm just saying, Oh, what's going on here. I think it's a lot of not burying a guy further. That's already probably feeling really bad about himself and to keep him uh, dialed in because they're at, again, probably at some point given Teddy Bridgewater's injury history, um, he's going to be back out there and they're going to need to call upon him. So I think it's that as much as anything. Um, but I'm not putting that much weight you need to, you, you don't need to put a majority of your reps into a guy who's your backup, who might be out there. Teddy still needs a majority of the reps. My, my thoughts on it were a little different, not necessarily strategically, um, but just 
man management. That's that's what I was trying to take out of it. You know, mm-hmm. and, and some of the thought was uh, yesterday, some of the discussion last night about him. They're like, oh, you know, damning with faint praise. You know, well, we didn't do very well because he's not very good. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't hear it that way. I actually heard and I try to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I actually heard some maturity, which sounds strange for a guy. I, I mean, Fangio looks like he's in his 60s. Um, I'm, I'm guessing he is because I'm only like 10 years from 60. <laughs> and he looks 25 years older than me. Yeah. Um, he's the least attractive head coach in football, says Reddit. Uh, but I actually, I felt like he showed some maturity in that situation. Uh, you know, it's like, listen, we didn't, we didn't do enough job getting him right. He's probably not getting enough reps, but he's got to do better. Okay. You know, I've been critical of Fangio and in, in the, the way he acts in the press and puffing out his chest after a win over Denver. But I, I mean, out of, over Dallas, but I, I thought he handled everything from the PR standpoint very, very well this week, praising his players, complimenting the Chargers, humble, protecting yeah. the backup quarterback that had a crap day. Yeah. Um, all of those things I thought he, he won. And, uh, you know, hey, like I've said, he might be older, but he's still a rookie head coach to a certain extent. This is his first head coaching job. So in a yeah. sense, he's still learning on the job. Yeah. Uh, as he goes through adversity and success, he hasn't had much success with the Denver Broncos. Frankly, how do you how do you act like you've been there before? Well, it wasn't like you did against Dallas, yeah. but against this Denver Broncos team, including how you handled your young quarterback who was bad, was great. I thought it was I thought it was very positive, honestly. Yeah, and uh, not to be you know getting into your yang uh, counterbalancing you here, though, but I think it's a lot easier to say and act the right way when things went the way they did and you're coming off a victory where your defense looked great and the quarterback that you didn't go with that a lot of the fan base is calling for shows exactly why you didn't go with him. So um, it's, I think, you know, coming out and saying the right thing and uh, putting on that right face, I think is good, but I'm thinking behind the scenes, Vic Fangio is like, see, this is what I was effing telling you. But, that, but that's time. okay. He kept yeah, that no, behind yeah, the scenes. Sure. And that's why I mentioned Dallas because everything went right in the Dallas game and he acted like a child after yeah. that game. So that's why, that's why I'm I'm using trying to use two similar circumstances to point yeah. out the difference, um, the difference between the two. What I saw the two because I I was I was literally I was shaking my head when I was going through some of the press stuff uh, on the Dallas game. I'm like, dude, this is gonna come back and bite your ass. Yeah, and uh, Fallen Sloth saying uh, he got here a little late with the stomach troubles, but uh, hopefully you're feeling better and uh, better late than never. Um, so thanks to have you in here. Good to see you. Uh, Peter also saying, sorry, I missed yesterday, predicted the win, but what a performance. Peter, that's okay. Uh, you got stuff going on, and uh, hopefully all is well in Cambodia. And uh, thank you for the predicted win. I, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, I think I'm going to keep the streak alive here. I'm going to predict the Broncos to lose again and put that uh, anti-juju on them because I feel like that's happened a good bit this year. Um, so we got, oh, Naj in the house. It's awesome. Good to see Naj. Scott, brother, completely agree. This is the first time Fangio's tenure. I feel like he's acted professionally and with humility, especially to the players. What do you bros think is happening with Russell Wilson's trade value? Oh man. I, did you watch last night's game? I didn't. Okay. I'm, I know that Russell Wilson has been really struggling this season. So you gotta um, remember, I get done with this show at like 10 o'clock at night. I'm in bed yeah. at like 10, 15 then. <laughs> yeah. That's uh I need to be going to bed earlier. Um, that's <laughs> too tired. Um, a lot of coffee, but, um, as far as Russell Wilson, I've watched a few of his games this season and he has struggled. Um, 
I'm really not sure what's going on with Russell Wilson right now. Uh, he's been playing bad. I know that he came back uh, maybe like three weeks early on that finger injury compared to what the normal timeline is. Like he's, he still needs another week to be on that eight week timeline for that finger uh, injury that he had. So I don't know if that's going on there or if he's completely checked out. Um, the Seattle team is bad. I mean, period. They have, they're so bad on the defensive line and at the cornerback position, which the defense, I mean, just tanks because of that. They think that we can still uh, lean into that cover three defense. And, you know, you got really lucky with Baron Browning and Richard Sherman and uh, Cam Chancellor. That's, you don't have that right now. You don't have, um, market or whoever the Bennett Michael Bennett um, on that defensive line as well. And they look bad. So I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens with Russell Wilson right now. I think that what would be best for him would be to go in this plug your ear, Scott. I think what would be best for him would be to go to new Orleans and work with uh, Scott Payton, Sean, or, Payton. Sean Payton. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, because it looks like Russell Wilson needs some rehab. And I think he needs to go somewhere where there is a, somebody with some credibility on the offensive side of the ball saying like, look, you're struggling this way. We need to play this way. Cause I think if Russ comes to Denver, he's going to be like, I want to throw the ball 50 times a game in a drop back passer. And I don't know if that's the best usage for him. I honestly think if you play him in what the Broncos are trying to do right now, leaning into the run game in the defense, getting calculated play action shots vertically oh, so um, with the arms, with the arm strength to use your talent outside uh, yeah. a little bit better, a lot better. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a high volume pass game for it to be highly effective. And I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, Russell Wilson isn't out there playing like a prime Peyton Manning or a prime uh, Tom Brady. You know, he's not that shotgun uh, four options in the route kind of guy. I want him to play off play action um, and be efficient pushing the ball vertically. Um, and when you can do that and the single highs that can come from that as well, I think that's when he is uh, brilliant. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson's trade value. He looks really bad right now. Um, I'm still extremely in interested in him. Is Russell Wilson broken? Uh, maybe, but he also has tape out there over multiple years where he is a top five quarterback. So that's still in there. Uh, I would believe, especially at what is he 33 years old? That should still be in there. So I take the swing and a lot of people are saying, Oh man, Russell Wilson, he's terrible. Now he's always been a phony, blah, blah, blah. I'd probably still take the swing. Oh, and, and Nash, thanks for the, thanks for the super. Um, and, and again, like I, like I've said, I, I'm kind of watching and seeing how Fangio is learning to handle the PR aspects of the job, especially longtime coordinators, yeah. Uh, you watch it in college. They don't understand how to be the general manager, how to be, how to deal with the boosters and deal with the press and deal with all that other stuff. They're X's and O's guys. They're like, man, I don't have time to, for this stuff. And that's, that's a big part of the job, the man management that comes with it. Um, as far as Russell Wilson's trade value, it's fine. It's fine. This will be seen as a one-year anomaly and Seattle can still demand a ransom for him. Uh, and if someone, if, if Someone will be willing to pay it if they're willing to sell. He's he struggled a little bit last year too, though. I mean, it's it's kind of a one year anomaly, but last year he started off absolutely incredible, and then the second half of the year he was like a bottom fifteen quarterback. So um, I'm pulling up right now the data just to see kind of what it looks like over the last three years for Russell Wilson, mm -hmm. uh, just because I am curious because I feel like he has fallen a bit. Um, and the thing that's frustrating with Russell Wilson, it's like he's almost the anti-Teddy Bridgewater, which a lot of people would think that's amazing and exciting. <laughs> I get it, but um, there's a stat called Alex, which is like, oh man. Essentially what it does is it shows how far past the sticks or short of the sticks you throw on third down. And like Russell Wilson is throwing it so much farther on third down than anybody, but his efficiency is terrible. Um, mm -hmm. He's not getting it done Just on move the third chains, down. dude. Yeah, yeah. Like be efficient, move the ball and take the calculated shots. And that's what I think maybe the run game would be big for Russell Wilson because then you can be, 
you can take those deep shots more often. They can be a higher rate of your pass throws. Um, and also then you can really uh, higher efficiency with them too, because it's a lot of times going to come off play all action. Right. Quick Russell Wilson story. That's why I'm here. Right. Cause I know yeah. all these old stories. Uh, I was running combines nationally for high school kids and we had him when we went to Virginia or North Carolina. I can't remember where. And he came in and worked out. And my quarterback's coach, um, who's a high school coach in this area that I'm friends with, that I took with me on the road. He's like, I love this kid. Um, he's the best player here by far. I'm like, okay, great. Look at him. You know, he's 5'10", 5'10 and a half. And he's a baseball player. Big time, yeah. big time baseball player. I'm like, well, that's great. But, you know, 5'11 kids don't go play quarterback when they're high baseball players. They go and play baseball. Yeah. So that was a miss. So we didn't rank him very high because, like, he's never going to play college football. So that was a miss because if you didn't know, if you didn't remember at the time, Russell Wilson, I thought, was going to go be a major league baseball player. That's what kind yeah. of athlete he is. Yeah, good athlete. Um, maybe a little bit of a <laughs> – maybe he's a little bit weird. Um, some of the videos and stuff, he does a little bit cornball-y, but uh, – you know, it works. I guess the question is if uh, him and his wife, uh, Sierra, would be interested in living in Denver. Uh, that's the biggest thing. It does seem like the offensive infrastructure is pretty high uh, in Denver. Pretty good. Um, but you, know, you want to maybe live here. Uh, story time. Yeah. Fine. Slotho boy story time. Pulling out the book here. <laughs> um, we got DWI guys saying, uh, do we read anything into increased front four pressure without Shelby Harris on Sunday? <sighs> I would say I would say no. Um, I think the biggest thing that a small sample size. And from what I gathered, the, the chargers offensive line has definitely taken a step forward this season, but their depth is still not good. And their left guard, whoever filled in for Matt Filer, can't even remember who it was. He looked dreadful. Um, he was just, he was getting whipped on every play that a McTelvin regime one. Um, it looked great. Then I went back and watched it. McTelvin regime did everything right, but it wasn't even that violent of a hand swipe. He just, that immediately just barely touched that left guard and, uh, got a huge lane and rushed the quarterback. So, um, who did Herbert make mad. Yeah, right. God, it's, it was not a good game from them. Did you no not doubt pick about. up the check at dinner the other night, quarterback? Come on, what happened? Um, <laughs> I don't think Shelby has played up to what our expectations are, maybe not even to his own expectations. What I did see was a lot of rotation and a lot of names getting it done. Yeah, uh, That was, I, boy, I mentioned that before, just seeing waves of guys come in on the front four. Um, and I'm having to check rosters because I don't automatically know their numbers right off the bat. I'm like, who's that guy? Weatherly? Weatherby? Who's he? Um, you know, we know Cooper Cooper starting to be up there. I'm like, was that Cooper Reed or Chubb? Well, at one point it was all three of them. Yeah. Um, I, I, y'all know if you've watched this enough, I'm a huge fan of Deshaun Williams. Huge. Um, I like seeing him out there. I think his motor is terrific. So him coming in and getting a few extra snaps, I think is a boon, but, um, the whole front four, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think it was without Shelby. It's just everybody feasted. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, very true. Um, and somebody that I don't think we highlighted enough yesterday that really made a difference in this game, uh, doing a lot of dirty work, Draymond Jones. Uh, Draymond Jones finished the game with, I believe, seven pressures, which is an insane amount. Maybe it was six pressures or six hurry. I, I think it was six, but still on 41 pass rushing attempts. That's amazing. Um, and actually, don't look now, guys. Uh, Draymond Jones for uh, pass rushers, interior defensive linemen who have had uh, 200 pass rushing reps this year. Draymond Jones is 10th overall with 32 pressures on the season. And uh, he's also ninth overall in pressure per snap rush rate. So uh, he's, he's quietly looking really good. And that's what the Broncos edge rushers being in a lot of flux this season as well. So I think you saw the chargers identify number 93 in the Broncos defensive line as the guy they didn't want to let beat them. Um, so he got double teamed a lot. He still had six pressures, which is great. Um, 
maybe not somebody you want to lean on in the run game. There was a few double teams where you see him getting pushed back pretty far, but if the Broncos could figure out a, uh, an Akeem Hicks type of uh, four eye that can reduce down to like three or one technique um, and get more single teams for Draymond Jones, man, that interior defensive line could be nasty, but uh, Draymond Jones, man, he was looking, I went back and watched again, like I said, and he was amazing and he was getting a lot of attention. So he's maybe, maybe he, maybe he's the next one to get paid. Everyone's like, who's the next guy. Uh, uh, we need uh Peyton to pay Draymond Jones only has one year left of control. He looks really good. I mean, he's been really, really, really good this year. Well, and uh, there's no rush, you know, there's yeah. no rush. So the right might, mm-hmm. might cost you a few extra dollars uh, if you wait a little longer. That's OK. Um, yeah. That's OK. And, and Colin says, comes in and says, I hate what they've done with the player numbers this year. I'm a I'm a traditionalist of sorts. I like the Cleveland Brown uniforms. They're simple. Yeah. I don't like all of the same new swoosh helmet things, uh, yeah. logos that all look the exact same. They just change the colors. But I do like the number changes. I do. I think they look cool. I like seeing a linebacker out there with a high school number on or a college number on. To me, that it just feels more old school and less antiseptic. It feels more individual. And, you know, at the end of the day, I root for the players as much as I do the teams at times. And I just, I think I like it. I do. I like that change. I like it as well. Um, my biggest critique, maybe that's, that's what I'll go with here, is that I don't need some back end uh, rotational player. That's not a stud wearing, you know, number one as a linebacker or an edge rusher. Like I think you need to earn, you got to earn it. Yes. You have to, you got to earn it. The special number um, to stand out. And if you have like a high draft pedigree, like a top 10 pick, like Patrick Scutan, I think you earned that one in college. The number two number. I want to be number five rook until you get a hundred tackles in the show. You're going to be number 55. Yep. You know, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. But I do like the, I do like the individualism. I like the single numbers, um, you know, and for me, a little bit, it goes back to, I saw uh, a guy named Anthony at Carter, uh, Anthony wearing number one for Michigan. And my first memories of college football was Anthony Carter at Michigan, who was a beast wearing number one, you know? Yeah. So I, I was like, I like seeing that kind of stuff. It reminds me of better days past. <laughs> God, you're going to be uh, reminiscing about the veer offense here pretty soon. No, I don't, like the veer. I, you don't like the veer. I got a, I got a, uh, under Facebook memories, it said any there, I'm like, it said something like anybody, any high school, any high school team running a double wing should be automatically disqualified from the playoffs. Unless you have an absolutely amazing offensive line and you're just whipping them. Um, but, uh, I, I respect the uh, service academies, um, and their, uh, their option offense with a little bit of your concepts in there. Um, we got Leroy Williams coming in saying I'm all for Fangio coming back as head coach, but he cannot bring Pat Shermer back as the offensive coordinator. Got to get a young minded play caller. I'm definitely a standalone on this, but I think that Pat Shermer is an average at worst offensive coordinator. I think that his schemes and schemes and concepts are okay um, or better. Um, And historically, if you look back on Shermer's career as an offensive coordinator, the quarterbacks he's had have all put up career best numbers under Pat Shermer. I mean, it's, it's crazy. He's not had uh, very many good, good quarterbacks, but they tend to play well above what their averages at the position. So I think there's something to that. There, there's got to be something to that. And maybe that's an off-season assignment. If Shermer sticks around, really uh, digging into um, the data and seeing why this is happening and if this is really a trend. But I think that Shermer gets a lot of uh, gruff because it took him a little bit last season to adjust to locks deficiencies in going through a complex uh 
mentally loaded offense. I think that's the way I'll put it. Um, they had to simplify <laughs> the word salad line. right there. Speaking yeah. of feasting, say yeah. what you want to say, Nick. <laughs> um, Drew Locke is known to not being the most cerebral quarterback, and it took him a little bit to simplify the offense for him, and then you started to see success. And that's important to know what your quarterback can and can't do. Um, but historically, Shermer has done actually uh, made quarterbacks play better than than their career averages. And I think that's that's important. So, so. I like uh, I like how you qualified that statement because you're talking about, um, you know, he hasn't had good quarterbacks and you say, well, that's that's the chicken of the egg. You know, yeah. why not? But, you know, he's been around long enough that you've seen that they did he's their best yeah. when they were playing under him. So maybe there's something to that. Um, he hasn't had a great quarterback in Denver, um, no. but. Teddy Bridgewater is about to have a career year to back up your, your, your point. Um, probably both in efficiency. I think he's still in the top 12 or 13. He may have fallen just a little bit. He's um, um, but it, if you don't put on the, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but if you don't put no, on okay. the, I interrupt uh, you all the time. It's just, it's crazy. And this shows that uh, EPA CPOE um, can sometimes vary greatly based on like a couple really, really great games. Um, and also, you know, it's not the end all be all and football is very dependent on the guys around you and what you're asked to do. Like if your run game is dominating, you're going to be way more efficient in EPA because the past attempts that you're going to have are going to be more likely to be successful. Anyway, long story short, when you don't put on the win probability filters on uh, this season for CPOE and EPA per play, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the second best quarterback in football. Now, when you spring up the uh, the win probability filters up to only reading 10 to 90 percent, which gets rid of garbage time, he falls to 10th overall. Um, which is probably about right for where he's been this season. Um, and that also speaks to struggles of a lot of other quarterbacks and also EPA really dislikes the run game. I think probably more so they're, they're prejudiced against the run game. So like quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, uh, Jalen hurts, Josh Allen, um, et cetera. You're not, you're not really capturing what they do value wise schematically, which is um, important. Big. Yes, exactly. So you're not really capturing that. And Teddy doesn't bring that like those guys, but um, Teddy's been, I would say probably somewhere between the 14th to 10th best quarterback in football this season. And that's a lot of other guys struggling, right? He's been better than Russell Wilson this season. He's not a better quarterback than Russell Wilson, but he's better than him this season. Um, so he's, he's been pretty good. And I think a lot of that deserves a lot of that credit deserves to go to Pat Shermer. And what do we talk about at the beginning of the season where you should finish somewhere in the teens should finish somewhere in the teens. I think I probably said 15 to 18 yeah. on quarterback rating at the end of the year which is a fair step up to average from really, really bad last year, yeah. uh, which is what you were looking for. Now, you're not going to get into the top fives uh, with Teddy Bridgewater, but there's only a few of those spots open. You don't necessarily yeah. have to have a top five QB to go out and, and win, especially to improve. This is this is definitely a better team. Uh, I think I've, I feel like I missed this one um, from Peter earlier. I said, sorry. So all my worries about the OL were not needed. No. You can you can have a flash in the pan type of game, but it's hard to go out there consistently with three or four backup OLs when the other team now has a chance to scout you and say we're going to go against this guy, um, and put the tape out there. So I think you're still a little nervous about the offensive line going into this game. What do you think, Pete? Uh, Peter? What do you think, Nick? Peter, let us know what you think. Um, you know, I'm definitely nervous for this game, and I saw people, you know, giving a lot of credit to Quinn Bailey and the Broncos' offensive line and Natane Moody um, in this game, who played well. But let's be real. I mean, the situation and the the situation of the game being up 14 to zero, 21 to seven, meant that you did not have to lean on the pass protection, slow developing pass plays at all. Why would you? Um, those are plays that are 
when your offensive line is dinged up as this is, and you're going up against Joey Bosa, uh, you're really putting your offensive line and your quarterback in a position where the uh, reward, the risk reward is not worth it. Um, so the Broncos played very heavily in the inside zone and some counter and trap kind of stuff going on and did not uh, put Chetty Bridgewater or Drew Locke or anybody in harm's way as far as these slow developing pass plays. Uh, so you didn't really see the reps with the offensive line in the pass protection that are the ones that at some point during the season, you're going to see because you're not always going to be able to beat the absolute living crap out of a team offensively and run the ball like you did against the chargers. It's just at some point you're going to have to lean on the drop back pass game. Um, then that's, you know, going up against better run defenses, chargers are the worst in the NFL and also games where you're not leading out of the gate, uh, you know, three possessions in you're up 14 to zero. Um, that's our three of your own possessions and you're up 14 to zero. Um, so I really hope that, at home, at home yep. with a fired up crowd. Yep. You know, don't, really, you know, give yourselves a little bit of credit Broncos country too. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw some false start penalties in there. I saw some stuff in there that was unnerving to the San Diego Chargers. San Diego Chargers. I knew I wouldn't get through <laughs> yes. that exactly. uh, through the Chargers offense. So give yourselves a little credit on that one too. Yeah. Um, you're totally right uh, on that one. And uh, that's just the biggest thing. We just, there's not a lot of the, the reps out there where those guys are put in those situations. Um, and that's going to be the real key. Cause at some point in the, it's the NFL, you're going to have to have a drop back pass game and play catch up with the pass game. Um, even though it is riskier and lower probability, um, there's just too much talent in the league. So uh, that's, that's what it is. Peter Middleton coming in saying a two year vet window with elite wide receivers screams Rogers. They're definitely going to go make a run at Rogers or Wilson this off season. If they don't, I think you probably see Teddy come back on a two ish year deal and uh, a rookie draft pick as well. Um, that's probably, that's what I would do. And I know that a lot of people will be screaming, not Teddy, but uh, Broncos are six and five right now. And they are injured as heck on the offensive line and the defensive linebacker position. And they're playing high variance football, but that's true across the AFC. Um, you're, you're limited with Teddy, no doubt about it, but you are overwhelmingly exceptional, exceptionally competent. And that's, that's the issue. That's as far as you go. You're very competent with Teddy Bridgewater. You're not excellent or great or anything but you have a competent offense. And I think that can be good enough with the run game and the defense, but still you're, you need to make a run at Wilson slash Rogers first. I, I've said, and I'd like to think it's true that if Teddy Bridgewater is back, it means you drafted a quarterback. It doesn't necessarily mean it for sure. But if you, if Teddy Bridgewater is back, you need to have his successor on the team yeah. learning. He's a great mentor um, to, to get that guy going. And a uh, little Ram man says, I'm tired of average. I think what you're tired of is that the hope that average is the best you can do because you haven't been average. That's the, that was the point that Nick and I made for years. You haven't been average yeah, at the quarterback trash. position or on the field in a long time. You've been bad, really bad. Average is a couple steps up. That's a good thing. Now, yeah. the problem is, is that's about as good as you're going to get, and that's not good enough. I get that. I do. Yeah. I really do. Um and that's where the hope comes in and why hope is so important to us as fans. The hope is that we're going to do better than average and we're not going to be better than average as long as Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback. And I'm tired of not having the hope. I get that 100%. Yeah. But the fact is, is Teddy Bridgewater has played at a level of quarterback average. Above average this year, honestly. That's better than you've had in a while. Yeah, e easily better than they've had in a while. Um, the thing about that, and I get why Broncos fans are upset about it, it's the the obvious issue of the Chargers and the Chiefs having a young quarterback that is a franchise-caliber quarterback and them being able to – I mean, both these guys haven't looked amazing against Denver, but, you know, sample size, folks. Their overall sample size is incredible. They look uh, like amazing quarterbacks. And there is kind of a terminal 
endpoint uh, ceiling with Teddy Bridgewater under the helm as well. So that's mm-hmm. why you cheer for Drew Locke because of the unknown round grass is greener. Um, but Teddy Bridgewater has been exceedingly competent, maybe like a, a B minus to a B level quarterback this season. Um, and again, maybe that's speaking to how much offenses have been extremely erratic this year in general. Um, but you, you want better than that. And I agree with you, but, uh, and, and the other point is um average quarterback play. You have to have everything right around them. The perfect run game, the great defense, you know, the weapons around them. And that is so hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to get it all after right. Season. When, um, when, the, when the NFL does everything they can to uh, hurt the good teams and prop up the bad teams, it's hard to do everything well yep. and make up for the deficient deficiency. But you, you've heard me say it before, and I'm going to stand by it. MLB has done more to hurt quarterback play than anything else. You know, yeah. any rule changes or, you know, the athlete is all of the big strong arm guys that we grew, we watch play quarterback for a hundred years are part of a 15 man bullpen on 30 major league teams right now. I guess I can say, uh, all I can say is God bless Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson for choosing football. Um, Makes Uh, it a lot better product. And and if, you know, maybe they wouldn't have had that opportunity if, you know, some, one of those other 400 guys, a couple of those other 400 guys were playing football. Um, Like I said, go look at the MLB draft and you'll find 20 kids in the first two rounds that are above six foot with 90 mile an hour fastballs. Yeah. Uh, John Clay eventing coming in Peyton's additions this year have all been impacts. I trust him to make the right decisions this offseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. The difference in this year's uh, team versus last year's is undeniable. By the way, the pictures is of the Kelpies in Scotland. Mm. Cool. Really cool. Um, have not been to Scotland. Maybe one day. My wife is dying to go to Scotland. She loves a Scottish accent. She's a big fan of whatever that stars show the outlander. I think what is what it is. I don't I don't know. The only TV I watch is football, guys. I'm going to be honest with you. I, or stuff that she wants to watch. But uh, this, um, this came up a little bit yesterday, last night, and I okay. typed in the chat furiously. I hate listening when I can't respond. That's why I don't listen to talk radio. Um, Screaming you know, at that, it. That Fangio said, you know, what's the difference between, you know, th- this year? And he's like, well, we got a better team. We got better players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's like, well, that's a shot across the bow at Elway. I'm like, not really. I mean, it's fairly logical. You went out and spent a ton of money in free agency, and you drafted well. That's not a shot at Elway. Um, that's the fact that this, this team has been reinvested into and you've gotten more good players in and you've hit on your draft picks, um, without a doubt. If you look at the, the incoming players and you say that, that, that Kyle Fuller is probably the disappointment of the bunch, he's on a one year deal, you know? Okay. We missed on a guy for, for 10 million. That's a big chunk of change. And you know, I'd like that 10 million, but in the grand scheme of things, if he's playing, average again average then he's going to be okay he's going to help the team win and you get 10 million back next year that you can pour back into the team and so far Peyton has proven that he can use his resources really really well you're not going to hit on all of them at all uh but this is I'm certainly impressed as are you John with the the imports that that uh, have come into Denver yeah it really is crazy and it's going it's making me look foolish being the conservative everybody sit on their hands and just you know take a second to breathe uh with the draft class because historically speaking you know it takes especially guys taking outside the top 50 you're talking one off season two off season i mean mctelvin ajim is a perfect example he's only had one off season um he's transitioning from a 335 uh more to an interior defensive line look and uh, he's been inactive oh my god mctelvin ajim's a bust well knock on wood uh there hasn't been many injuries in front of him and it's going to take a couple seasons for that guy to kind of start to get it you know the strength and conditioning even though he was playing sec football um it's different in the league so uh it was always you know a little bit of patience yeah, there that's Arkansas. fine 
Yeah, Arkansas. No, I'm yeah. just teasing. I'm just they got teasing. man. There's they got a some unit. phenomenal players. One of my all time favorite players, Darren McFadden, came out of Arkansas. Yeah, love that dude. So Pig they suey. they they get some freaks every once in a while too. Yeah, they're uh, well. They have a freak right now. Uh, Traylon Burks, uh, wide receiver. Man, he reminds me a lot of Brandon Marshall. Um, what a unit. Uh, but uh, point I was making is typically it takes a few years. Um, but this draft is really going in the face of that. I mean, you, it's incredible. Uh, Jonathan Cooper, seventh round pick, playing like probably a second round pick level mm-hmm. type of talent out there. Um, you have Patrick Sertan, cornerbacks last year drafted in the first round outside of uh, your guy Terrell, um, have looked really up and down. Not very good, especially the ones taken in the top 10. Uh, Jeffrey Akuda has not looked great in Detroit. Is that Detroit? Is that Akuda? Who knows? Um, yeah, who's the guy Henderson. that already got moved? Jacksonville Henderson. already bailed on him. Henderson. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, running backs, even, you know, drafted the last couple of years. I think Williams has looked incredible, but then it's the, after that, it's, you know, Caden Stearns. Jonathan Cooper, like we mentioned, uh, Baron Browning, uh, Quinn Miners. Those are all guys where I was like, yep, yep, put them in the fermentation chamber. We'll see them in uh, 2022. That, that'll be fine. Um, and here they are, big impact, already flashing, and playing incredible football for guys who are considered to be raw athletic projects. Um, so incredible. I'm I'm over the moon with this class. Um, and it almost makes me like, obviously, you if you can take the quarterback, you can um, in this class, whether it be Wilson or Rodgers. But like Peyton with five top 100 picks, I mean, that would, I don't know. Okay. Uh, Andrew coming in saying morning. I, I really thought I was going to be able to trash talk Iowa, but Nebraska did what Nebraska does maybe next year. Oh man, you guys, uh, you Nebby fans have been saying that for seven years now. Iowa's beaten Nebraska seven years in a row. Who, who would have thought? That's one reason I'm pretty skeptical about Oklahoma going to the SEC. It's like, oh man, Nebraska's going to run the big 10 West. I think they've been bad in the big 10 West. They can't play big boy football. Well, Nebraska, I can get into this with y'all if y'all want to, but I can go into the reason why some of these historic programs like Tennessee and Nebraska have fallen flat on their faces and has to do with the recruiting pool. The recruiting pool is small. Everybody goes to bowl games now and everybody's on TV, so they don't have that pull anymore. Then you take away your big base down in Texas and go to the Big Ten and try and pull kids out of Ohio against Ohio State and Michigan. That ain't going to happen. Now you can't go down to Florida and Texas anymore to get guys, so you're trying to go out to California every once in a while. Where are you going to get players? Anyway, there's my 30 seconds on Nebraska. Nebraska needs to take a look in the mirror and I think look at the likes of Iowa and Wisconsin and say, we need to find some corn fed uh, pig tossing guys in the trenches because we are not getting, you know, five, four, four athletes on the perimeter. Um, That style of football only pretty much only works for Penn state and Ohio state in the big 10. The other guys are just super soft. I mean, we see Maryland try to do it year after year and they just get punched in the mouth. They're getting whipped in the trenches. Um, But we got DWI guys coming $5 here. Uh, not a defensive question, but when was the last time we scored a first possession toward, uh, touchdown? Feels like maybe one in the last two years. I think there's only been one first possession touchdown. <laughs> this and this Nick talking out of both sides of his mouth. Pat Shermer struggled here. The offense has struggled here. Um, there's only been one in Pat Shermer's tenure in Denver, and that was against the Raiders this season. And the Broncos defense ended up giving up one of the worst defensive performances of any defense the entire season as far as efficiency per pass play. I think the Raiders had the most uh, 25 plus yard pass plays of any team since like 1984 in that game. Um, but uh, they did do it against the Raiders. So I guess that, that counts. Yeah. I thought, I thought I saw a graphic on that. That was like 12 in a row or something like that, but you, maybe I'm, I'm obviously mis mistaken on that. Um, there was one, the, I think the craziest one I saw where the Denver's got where Denver got mentioned was the Jaguars have been behind in like 40 straight games. And Denver got mentioned because the longest streak is like 60 from Denver Broncos in the 60s. 
but falling behind at some point in a game for 40 straight games, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that really is, uh, Ethan appreciate the, the, the super and the support and, uh, Malcolm coming in. Good morning, Malcolm. Do you think drafting a center is just as critical as a right tackle? No, not at all. Um, centers it's, you Hold can on. find, let me, let me qualify this question. Okay. Because on this one, it's not necessarily position of importance and positional value. This is, do you think a center could help our team more than what we already have at right tackle? So do you think upgrading the center position is more important than upgrading right tackle position right now? Based I would on go, what you have available. I would go with no. Um, you lost Anderson maybe for the year with a knee injury. Um, they said he's the IR as an option, but I mean, they said the same thing with Bryce Callahan. I don't think we're going to see him back. Um, with that going on, and also Anderson, I think is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, so I don't know about that. Also, uh, Bobby Massey is on a one-year deal, and you have multiple bodies that can play the center position. I mean, there's a chance that Reisner could play the center position. Um, Natane Moody, you know, for as good as he is in the run game, that dude is a, a very small frame. He looks like a little bullfrog out there, um, and uh, he may be somebody you need to talk about moving to center because of his size uh, constraints. Um, Quinn Miners is another one who can play center for you as well. I mean, if all these guys, good athletes, whatever, um, but you know, not the most giant type of guys at the point of attack. Um, so all those are more likely to be centers and you really losing uh, debt at right tackle. And just in general, also the body types, there are hundreds of guys who are six, one to six, three, two eighty to three Oh five. For right tackle with the 33 inch arm lengths, six, four to six, seven, uh, 300 plus pounds. You're talking about a very small pool, a very small pool of those kind of guys. So, um, definitely I don't, I wouldn't, I would say the center is not uh, of equal importance or as critical as right tackle. Uh, I agree with you. I, uh, I, I think getting the right tackle is the most important need on this line on an up and upgrading that position. Um, yeah. Again, you mentioned Quinn Miners. Quinn Miners was actually brought in to compete at center yeah. and push Cushenberry, and he might, he still might. Again, we, we've talked about the last couple of shows how rookies and they don't have really any time to prepare for their job. Um, yeah. they, they go through the draft process, which includes Quinn Miners at the Senior Bowl, preparing for the combine, getting drafted, interviewing with teams, doing all that stuff, and then showing up at OTAs you know, now you've got that entire window from January to April where you can prepare just on being a Denver Bronco and what they want me to do. So uh, we'll see. But I, I think that I think Denver that uh, right tackle, if I'm looking over it and you say, OK, here are the guys that come up that are on the board. My three favorite guys on the board when it's my turn to draft, if one of those is a right tackle, an offensive tackle, that's where I'm picking. If I'm the Denver Broncos, I think that's critical. Yeah, and uh, Iowa has an incredible center this year in Tyler Linderbaum, um, but uh, unless Denver is switching to the Kyle Shanahan uh, wide zone type of look, I'm not as interested uh, in in him because I think you're limiting what he does best, which is his athleticism to reach the second level. Um, so he's, he's a little small as well. Um, but guys, that's uh, we're one hour and seven minutes. Time flies. Uh, so we're, we got to get on out of here. I got to walk the dog and uh, we got to talk some more football uh, tomorrow. With you that's guys not a run. euphemism. He actually is going to walk the dog. Got to walk the dog. Got to walk the dog. <laughs> uh, nope. Got to. He's got to get his steps in. Otherwise, he will drive my wife insane. So uh, me too. I need to get the steps in. Still got to work off that uh, Thanksgiving. Got to be in hiking shape when uh, the good se- when the hiking season comes back around. But you guys can follow Scott and myself on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. And uh, I am at Nick Kendall, M-H-H. 
Also make sure you're following us at Huddle Up Pod and at Mile High Huddle. Uh, go to facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle and forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod, as well as uh, joining us on YouTube by subscribing, liking, and sharing to Mile High Huddle and Scott's channel. We'll be there tomorrow to talk a little bit of Falcons. The Falcons Jags, man. What a what a barn burner. Uh, YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Um, yeah, man. It's uh, I want to get one more, a couple more in here. Um, maybe we'll just leave it out here. Uh, after this game, do you guys think it's time to stop pushing this bench Teddy for Drew mess? I have seen nothing that tells me Drew has the ability to read coverages yet in the NFL. Um, not to dunk on Drew because obviously he's probably going to be a little bit upset about what happened in that game. But like, I just I can't get over the. It's not fair to Drew Locke. Uh, conversation that drives me absolutely insane. Um, he had 18 starts over and two off seasons to become a starting quarterback. And his job right now was to come in and be the backup quarterback. And he, he failed. I mean, it was, he, he failed. So, right. Like you, there's no, you, you go out there and you earn your opportunities. And if he goes out there and plays great and protects the football, um, then you earn later opportunities. But right now this is the niche that he's in. He needs to understand that and maximize it when he's out there. And for him, he needs to understand that he's not going to earn back or become a franchise quarterback spot starting in one drive or two drives, right? Like the thing you, you're way more likely to hurt yourself throwing a stupid play um, and turning over the football than you are to earn your job back or future opportunities. So um, it just drives me nuts. I mean, how many opportunities does a guy get? There, there doesn't seem to be much of a controversy at in in Denver. You know, that's that's my point that I've made yeah. behind the scenes. Is you know, normally you'll hear you know, players will start to leak stuff. You know, we'd like to see this guy or they'll even make out, you know, a, they'll say stuff mentioning the backup quarterback who was a former starter, the incumbent um, about coming in, man, it's been nothing. It's been radio silence yeah. uh, across the board. So there's not, you can say Shermer, you can say Fangio, you can see, say Peyton, but there isn't anybody in Dove Valley that is calling for Drew Locke to be, to be playing. And Nobody. most important, that the locker, speaks volumes the locker room. to me. If, the lock, if there was some dissent in the locker room, we would we would know about that. Well, and we said um, that yeah. when the when they were making the decision, you can't bench the incumbent yeah. for an incoming player without sign off from your team from yeah. your team. You can't you can't yeah. do that. Yep, absolutely. And we got uh, sticking on a little bit longer gives us uh, more super chats. So I mean, as long as the super chats are coming in, uh, Scott and I have no lives. Um, this is this is what we. Have. <laughs> Um, no, Scott's got a, a kid homesick and they got to watch the more of the matrix. Um, but, uh, Chad's shiny marble coming in here. Oh my God. Is that a picture of Chad's head? I am. I am deceased. <laughs> that looks like Chad's eyebrow there. That's it's gotta be uh Chad's shaved head. So Chad's shiny marble. This God is Chad's you. burner account, by the way. You know what? I, no, I'm uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, now I'm starting to be a little bit disturbed by the picture. The more I look at it, uh, but Chad's marble is concerned that Fangio might play well enough to stay as much as I love winning the long-term wasted talent with this guy is cringe. I get that's a concern. Um, no doubt about it, but this team is six and five. And if you have to look at it this way, if Vic Fangio is back, that means things went really right down the stretch for the Broncos. So um, if he's gone, that means things went wrong. So in the reality where Fangio is back, that means the Broncos probably made the playoffs. They looked good down the stretch. And I don't know if you caught anything uh, yesterday um, talk between uh, Baron Browning, but Baron Browning has been sitting there doing like one-on-one -on -one film sessions with Vic Fangio and like sitting next to him uh, during every chance he can get soaking up as much as he can from Vic Fangio. And these young defensive players look amazing with, with Fangio and the scheme. So um, I don't know. You brought in Fangio to be this defensive wizard and lean on him defensively. That's let's maybe that's still the case. Maybe that will turn out to be the reality for the rest of the season. And that's what makes him come back. He's not the most likable, personable 
coach yeah. in the world. You don't watch this guy and go, I really want this guy to succeed. And I think that's part yeah. of the problem. The other part of the problem is he's had two losing seasons. Yeah. But if you go 10 and seven with all of these injuries, come on. You, you can't, you're, you can't get rid of that guy. You can't. And I, I, and you know, maybe he deserves another chance and then he blows it next year and you say, see, I told you, uh, and you, you know it, but he goes 10 and he finishes five and two down the stretch and it makes what you're not, you're not losing him. He's going 10 and seven in the playoffs with all these injuries, man, what executive in the world who's grading your performance is going to say you weren't good enough. Good Lord. On the, yeah. on the, on the, on the whole, that's a pretty good job. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we're going to get on out of here. Uh, thank you so much. Make sure you check out uh, my book, AG, and uh, you guys have a, uh, a great one. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow on Scott's channel. And yeah. If you can't get enough of us, I just put the link in the, in the, in the chat. We're at about 920 followers oh my on my YouTube channel. A thousand is the magic number. So uh, I know a lot of y'all are already subscribers and trust me, that means the world to me. Uh, but if uh, you know, one a day for the rest of the year and we're good to go by January 1st. So, well, not quite. My math is off today, but uh, again, appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Stay safe. Uh, I will see you guys tonight for building the Broncos and we'll see you tomorrow morning for a little bit of Falcons and draft talk. Uh, choose kindness. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.